0: The road for the Atlanta Braves to win their sixth straight NL title got a little bit more difficult as we got some wild news on a Wednesday morning into the night early night before, as Carlos Correa has flipped the script and is going to be signing with the New York Mets. We'll talk about that signing, what it means for the Braves, what it means in the NL East, what it means for Major League Baseball as the Mets just continue to spin and spin. I also got Grant McCauley joining the show. We'll talk about that and obviously everything that's been going on with the Braves this offseason, the Dansby Swanson signing, Sean Murphy trade, and what is next for the Braves the rest of the offseason. We'll cover all of that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked on Braves, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockedon_braves. underscore Brave. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're watching this video, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell to help support. The show, And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. On today's episode, i going to be bringing in Grant McCauley. We're going to talk about the Carlos Correa signing and also just discussing everything that's been going on in the offseason with the Atlanta Braves from the Dansby Swanson signing with the Cubs, Sean Murphy trade, as well as what's next for the Braves this offseason. Is there anything else for the Braves this offseason? Let me go ahead and bring in Grant. Grant, thanks so much for joining. Oh, it's been a little while since we had you on.
1: Yeah, it's been a hot minute, but you know, the hot stove waits for no man, it would appear, and it's been a crazy off season, and we got an awful lot to talk about.
0: Yeah, it has been a crazy off season to the point where you you think you know what's going on, and then all of a sudden, while you're sleeping, Carlos Correa signs a twelve-year three hundred and fifteen million dollar deal deal with the New York Mets after the Giants kind of balked at some medicals and then scott boris uh working out another deal behind the scenes and and was ready to flip script to the mets i mean just grant your reaction when you heard about this wednesday morning as a lot of us woke up to the news
1: yeah i mean it it, just looking at it you know you wake up and you you kind of get going through your day and you do that first scroll of social media and i saw the report carlos correa signs with mets and i thought well that can't be right and then i thought well They did cancel that Giants press conference Mm -hmm. yesterday, but I thought that was more of a postponement than anything that was, uh, you know, dire straits for that deal. But as it turned out, you know, Scott Boris and the San Francisco Giants and Carlos Correa did not agree on how things looked, I guess, uh, pending that physical or maybe for the long-term prognosis, it's really not all of it's clear right now. And I I don't want to misspeak about something that may or may not have been there, but, Regardless, that deal went away, and Scott Boris pivoted very quickly to one of the most spin-thrifty guys that you're going to find in all of sports ownership, it would appear, in Steve Cohen and got a deal done with the Mets. Apparently, Steve was where I was for the previous 10 days. He was out there in Hawaii having some martinis late in the afternoon, and that kind of worked out for Mr. Boris because they had a, a extra few hours uh, with a time zone difference to get this thing done in the wee hours of the morning. So for those of us out here on the other side of the country – we were waking up to some pretty crazy news and it just continues. What has been a monumental spending spree for the New York Mets, $800 million that they have spent over the course of this offseason with a payroll of close, uh, close to $400 million. Then you've got the tax the luxury tax threshold and obligations that you throw on top of that. He's looking at about half a billion dollars for the 2023 season. It is truly something to behold. It
0: is. And you talk about just the tax they're going to be paying is over $100 million, and that's more than what a lot of teams' payrolls will yeah. be in 2023, which kind of leads to my next question, the next subject I want to talk about. And this is not me trying to be a salty Braves fan. I would love it if my team and my owner was doing this, but is this good for baseball, Grant, to have a team that's just willing to spend like this, And kind of just, you know, not giving the smaller market teams that much of a chance, or I don't know what they can do. I've always been in favor of a floor. I know, you know, the players are, you know, aren't necessarily in favor of that, or the players don't want a cap. The owners don't want a floor, but I, I don't know, Grant, is this good for baseball?
1: I think we're going to find out what exactly it spurs in terms of those discussions for both a floor of spending for some of the teams that really just cannot seem to be bothered to actually go out and field competitive clubs. And it's not because they don't have the opportunity to turn a profit because a lot of these teams that we're talking about, in particular at the bottom, they're going to benefit from this luxury tax that Steve Cohen and other teams are going to be paying just beyond the Mets, and they don't even put it back into the on-field product. So you're not really taking that luxury tax and an exacting change that you might want to see, if you're the players, for example, and if you're the owners, it, I find this to be some incredible doublespeak. Because keeping in mind, we're—I mean, a year ago this time, there was a lockout imposed by the owners because the players they they couldn't afford them; these contracts were getting out of control, and they just—you know—a lot of them. I just felt like were crying poor or unable to keep up with maybe some other bigger spending clubs, and I'm sure that that's part of the conversation. But I just find it fascinating that, yes, Steve Cohen has gone on this wild spending spree, but a lot of other clubs have been spending hundreds of millions and billions of dollars now on free agent players. So the money is there. You see what the sport brings in each and every year. Does every team draw the same? No, they don't. Does every team uh, create the same level of revenue streams? No, they don't. Do they have the same TV contracts? Again, no, they don't. But there's a lot of centralized money that Major League Baseball brings in. And I just feel like, you know, as you look at it, Yes, the owners, I mean, it's a privilege, I think, to own a baseball team. And you would think that you want to win and win at all costs in many cases. But there is a realistic framework that comes with the budgeting of professional sports. But, you know, on the player side of things, you know, this is the product. And if you're the product, you want to get paid commensurate with what the league is able to bring in. And I think that there's still a lot of discussions. And clearly, with the competitive balance, you know, tax being part of that discussion, They're going to continue to try to find ways with the next labor agreement, I would guess in quite a few years, to continue to bridge this gap. But, I mean, we could waste all afternoon, evening, and into the wee hours of the morning when Carlos Correa is signing with his next team if this deal falls apart and not really be able to untangle the web that is how you fix the the competitive uh, top of the league, I think, the middle of the league that's there that can find its way, you know, into the playoffs fairly often. And then those six to 10 teams that just can't seem to be bothered annually to really feel the competitive team. And that's not good for the sport either.
0: It's not. I mean, I get it. It's never going to be even, you know, complete top to bottom. And look, I think Steve Cohen, what he's doing, I think it's, it's exciting. You know, if if I weren't a brace fan playing in the same division with him and just a, you know, a regular casual baseball fan. I think it's to be pretty interesting and neat what they're doing. And, but You know, I do worry about the competitiveness, you know, in baseball. Speaking of competitiveness and just looking back at the on-field product, even with all these moves the Mets have made, and I I tweeted out, you know, comparing the two lineups with the Mets and Braves, and I think a lot of us kind of lose sight of this with Atlanta, you know, not making a ton of moves this offseason. I think the lineups are still pretty comparable. And while, you know, the Mets look great on paper, and they do and they're going to be a good team, they were, or they're going to be a great team, they were a great team last year, You stack it up to what the Braves have and even the Phillies and and other teams. I mean, I think, you know, the Braves, you could argue, you know, could have still have a better team on paper than the Mets. I would probably give the, the Mets a small edge there. But you think about all the money they've spent and think about on paper again, how comparative these two lineups really are.
1: Yeah. And not only just the lineups, but I mean, you, you look at the pitching staffs, the bullpens, all of those things, both of these are, are are very well-built clubs. They're just built different ways. And when we went into the off season, there was the question of shortstop was the big one for the Atlanta Braves. I know we're going to get to that, but clearly Dansby Swanson is not going to be the answer there. So the Braves are going to have to either get creative and find somebody who can come in and fill that, or they're going to have to turn to the farm system again and look to somebody. I'm looking at Vaughn Grissom to help out in that regard, but, You know, just looking at both of these teams, yes, clearly the Mets have spent an awful lot of money, both to retain a couple of their key players as part of this spending spree and Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo, but also to go out and sign some really key free agents. I mean, Jacob deGrom left the Mets. That's not even part of their spending spree. And you've still got Steve Cohen out there spending money on the Justin Verlanders and now Carlos Correa and a host of other signings that we could you know, look at and say, does this make the Mets club better than last year? Does it bring them on par with last year? Does it make them better than the Braves? And I think that on paper, those are all the things that we do all winter long. And then you get into the season and crazy stuff happens like 2022 when the Mets gallop out to a 10 and a half game lead over the Braves, pretty much leave them in the dust by Memorial Day. And the next thing you know, the Braves find a way to win this division and win just as many games as the Mets did over the course of the same 162 games. So I guess I say all that to say, it doesn't guarantee anything, and, and I think the spending is good for the sport overall because it's good for the players, and the players, again, are the product. Steve Cohen is doing what I think the fans of 29 other teams would love to see their owner do as well. Is it going to work? Is it going to guarantee anything? The answer to that second question is no. Is it going to work? We're going to find out. But they've done the spending in a very interesting way where they haven't, outside of Korea, really been locking it in for years and years and years of Albatross-esque contracts. They got Justin Verlander on that short-term deal that Max Scherzer is still on a short-term deal. Like they could actually free up money and continue to go on other wild spending sprees. So I'm really fascinated to see what this means, you know, top to bottom, um, for the national league East, because it doesn't seem like Steve Cohen's going to go anywhere. And it doesn't seem like he's afraid to spend money, but the Braves, they're just built a different way. But I think that Atlanta, it, Philadelphia, both going to be contenders in this division, it may just depend on what kind of moves they can make going forward into the season trades and other things that really can shape the dynamic of an entire campaign. And we've seen the Braves prove it time and again.
0: Yeah. And Alex has done a great job of in season adjustments. So I think you yeah. certainly have to take that in to consideration. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look, like I said, if, if I could take my Braves colored glasses off and just look at this as a baseball fan, I think the NL East is going to be one of the most exciting races to watch all year long in yep. baseball. So I'm looking forward to, to that, but it will come without Dansby Swanson as he did sign with the Chicago Cubs. We're going to talk about that next, Grant, as we haven't had a chance to discuss that and talk about the Sean Murphy trade. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about a bet online. Betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis for every game that you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, NBA, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I'm really excited about this new sponsor that we have, Big Dog Speakers. I got a package in the mail recently. Wasn't sure what it was. Opened it up, and it was two just incredible Bluetooth speakers. I paired them up and started playing the Holiday Music Grand, and my kids were just running around the room and dancing. My wife, who had no idea this was even a sponsor, she said she was just amazed about the sound quality Coming out of these speakers, the Scout from Big Dog Speakers is a portable Bluetooth speaker specifically designed in Augusta, Georgia, here locally, to deliver huge, clear, sound, extraordinary battery life, and tons of connectivity options, all at a competitive price. The Big Dog Scout has a maximum volume of 105 decibel levels, while still maintaining clear, high-quality sound. That was the thing that was so amazing to me. It was it was loud, but yes, the quality and the clarity of it was still So amazing. The Big Dog Scout is the brand's inaugural model, and it does indeed go big with features that include, as I mentioned, the 105 decibel max volume, 40 watts, waterproof, charges, other devices as well, 15 hours of playback audio, and you can pair two of them together for enhanced audio. The Big Dog Scout is now available online at bigdogspeakers.com at $99, and you can get 20% off with promo code LOCKEDON, For more information, go to BigDogSpeakers.com. Speaking of some big dogs, Grant Dansby Swanson was a big player for the Braves for several years, leading them through that rebuild to five straight division titles and a World Series. He is no longer a part. Of the Atlanta Braves, he signs a seven-year, $177 million. I still have to smile when I say it, Grant, because I just never would have imagined that he would get that type of money. But in the crazy market we're in this offseason, Grant, that's what he got.
1: Yeah, it's not anchored down for the man from Vandy in Atlanta, Georgia anymore. (laughs) It's anchors away. He's heading up to Chicago. And, you know, this is a a club in, in the Cubs that's, you know, I am not really able to make heads or tails of their spending. Clearly, they had a really great club put together that won a world series historically ending a a major sports drought. And then that team was just never really able to cash in and and reach the promised land again after that. So you saw a lot of those players go in different places and you know, the, the shortstop for the Cubs throughout that whole time was Javi Baez. Well, last year he signed a six year, $140 million deal with the Detroit Tigers after the Cubs had traded him away to the New York Mets. It seemed like the Cubs were going into one of those cycles where, Hey, maybe they won't spend for three, four or five years. I think the pandemic was the uh, a spending uh, detriment for a number of different clubs or a number of different clubs felt like it would be to their detriment to spend in those ways again. And maybe the Cubs were going to be wandering through the wilderness of a rebuild not long after having won the world series, but now they turn around and give a gigantic contract to Dansby Swanson. Second biggest contract in Chicago Cubs history. The other one goes to another former brave it was Jason Hayward. He signed that eight year, $184 million deal in December of 2015. So, The Cubs love their former Braves, I guess, in in a lot of ways. And maybe they're just trying to get even for the Greg Maddox thing that happened back in 92, 93, but for Dansby and for the shortstop market, we knew it was going to be crazy. I felt like the average annual value for, for Dans was going to be in that 24, $25 million range, but I'm with you. I I didn't really feel that the seven years was going to be a guarantee for him, but then you saw guys getting 11, 12, 13 years, whatever it is now, I guess Correa doesn't have 13 years. He's only got 12. So I don't know how he's going to make it, but yeah, Dansby got himself into a market where it pretty much proved that there were teams out there that were going to pay big money for shortstops. And who would have thought Jake that a year after Freddie Freeman leaves in free agency that Dansby Swanson would get more guaranteed money than Freddie to
0: sign elsewhere. It's really crazy. Any, which way you look at it. It's, it's really insane. And like I said, I never would have guessed him getting that much from the Braves perspective though. Are you surprised that they never really, I mean, I wouldn't expect them to get close to 177, but last report we heard they were around a hundred million. Now who knows they could have made a better offer that we just haven't heard about yet. But were you surprised there wasn't a little bit more from the brave side kind of coming in, trying to pull dance v back.
1: I don't know that they were ever going to get into that ballpark. No pun intended. Once somebody went as, as, crazy upward beyond the team's valuation that the Cubs did, because we're talking about if the Braves offer is to be believed the best offer that they had was around a hundred million dollars. Well, 77 million more dollars with probably two more guaranteed years, I'd guess. I think the Braves were either five or six at a hundred. I thought coming into the year that five and 90 was probably the area that Dansby Swanson was in. Then he went out and had a career year. And then the more the year went on, I started to look at the hobby Baez deal and the Trevor story deal. And I thought, you know, if he could get close to that six and one hundred and forty, I'm sure that that would probably be a deal that would work out to keep him in Atlanta, and it might be. And reportedly, you know, Dansby side floated that six and one hundred and forty number, and that's not an outrageous ask whatsoever. I, I think that that's what the market showed that a shortstop is worth out there, and I don't blame him for not taking forty million dollars less. I certainly don't blame him for taking not taking seventy seven million less to stay in the place where he started his career. It just kind of is the business of sport you know, he did some incredible things. I think it was part of some incredible things in Atlanta. And I think those are going to be some memories for people to remember extremely fondly and look back on uh, lovingly over a long period of time. When you talk about a world series championship, but the dynamics of of the business of the sport are seldom the most fun part of the story. And I think this is just another example of that. And it comes, you know, a year after losing another face of the franchise or longtime brave in Freddie Freeman. And now it's Dansby Swanson. So, I can understand that Braves fans are kind of looking at this and, at the very least, scratching their heads and thinking, "Man, what are we going to do about shortstop? And why couldn't we get him back?" Or well, I don't know if I'd pay that much. I mean, there's a lot of different parts of the conversation. I guess we could get into, but either
0: way, it leaves the Braves with a big question mark at that position. It does, and you mentioned it—you know, two off in a row—and I think a lot of people try to make the comparisons between Freddie and, and Dansby and the way things played out. To me, they're they're different. With Freddie, <laughs> I thought the Braves made a a fair offer. I think the lockout and everything kind of played a factor into yep. that. But, you know, the Braves offer was just about as good, you know, as what he ended up getting with the Dodgers for Dansby. It's just the market exploded and it went way beyond anything that Alex Anthopoulos was going to, to be offering or even getting close to, as we discussed. So it, it is tough because now you look at it in two off seasons in a row, Braves have lost, you know, iconic players in their franchise history. You talk about Dansby Swanson, first round or first overall pick coming over in a trade kind of being the face of that rebuild really yep. I mean I know he didn't ultimately become that player until this last year but I mean he was the guy that a lot of people looked at a lot of people or a lot that a lot of fans looked at as the guy that was going to turn this thing around and you know obviously Freddie Freeman was there through that rebuild so it's tough I, I get it from the fans perspective you're losing two iconic players two years in a row and now it's a question of Who's going to who's going to lead this team? Those are some big voids. You know, we asked this with Freddie last year, and I think Dansby obviously was somebody that stepped up, but now you lose Dansby. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Who's the who's the leader of this team? Where do they go to, you know, moving forward? Yeah, I mean,
1: and that's a really great question. And I think that those are the kind of things that get answered as that group comes together again and gets to move throughout the season. I know they've got some veteran guys who have been there throughout. And, you know, I think that Travis Darno is not a longtime brave, but I think he's a big presence in that regard. I think Austin Riley is going to be kind of stepping into that role in some ways. I think Ozzy Albies is another guy that I would look at who's, everybody has, I think, different styles of leadership and and offers different things. And while we have can look at, you know, the Yankees introduced Aaron Judge and named him their captain at the press conference that happened this week. And, you know, that's that's one sentiment. The Braves don't really do that whole thing. But I, I think that every season gives you an opportunity, and particularly with a club that I guess is transitioning through a couple of players that were there for a long time and are no, no longer there for guys to step up and step into that role. And hopefully some guys will do that. But I, I thought you brought up something really interesting because the the Dansby-Swanson trade I felt like was that moment where You know The Braves have been, for the most part, competitive for so long. To see them go into a a cycle where they were going to lose 90 games multiple years in a row seemed like a foreign thought. I mean, we really hadn't been dealing with that since the late 1980s. In the midst of bringing in all those prospects, making all those trades, having all those big drafts, the Dansby-Swanson trade was that one moment where you just kind of looked around and thought, Wow, I think they're they're really on to something here. They're really building something here. And when this all does come to fruition, this has a chance to be a really special group. And, and in actuality, whether Dansby was the centerpiece of that or not, it did turn into a very special group that did some very special things that won five consecutive divisions in a World Series. And he was a big part of that. So I think that he does have a, a great place in the in the legacy uh department in Atlanta. It just I think is ending a lot sooner than a lot of people expected. And now you just have to kind of chart a new course and figure some things out. But from a leadership perspective, I, I do think the club's going to be fine. It's just every every year, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's just going to be its own story and a little bit different. And they're going to have to write it with some different characters or at least without one that they've had for quite some time.
0: And that leadership we talked about, I mean, I think that is – it's a big component with Dansby. You mentioned, you know, and we both mentioned when the trade happened. The year before that, it's the worst – or the worst winning percentage. I almost want to say losing percentage, but the worst winning percentage the Braves have had since 1990. And obviously I know Dansby wasn't a huge part of the years after that, but you know, they've gotten better and better obviously each year since then. And I think, you know, Dansby while he never really hit his stride until about 2019. And, you know, there was a lot of decisiveness amongst Braves fans of, you know, it seemed like half the fan base loved him, wanted him around forever. And half the fan base thought he was, he was overrated, but You know, I think for the most part, everybody agrees that what he did on the field, the leadership that he showed, that that was a big part of the Braves turning things around. I think that's what the Cubs are hoping for. And Mm -hmm. look, we made the comparison earlier with the Jason Hayward signing. That never really worked out, you know, for them in that deal. But he did become a big leader in that clubhouse. And, you know, reports say that his speech in that that Game 7 in 2016 was a big part of of why they – they won so I think that's what the Cubs ultimately sure they would love for him to be a six win player you know mm-hmm. for the next four or five years or whatever as part of this deal but I think they're mostly looking for that leader to help turn things around in Chicago and I think Dansby's a great fit for that
1: yeah and Dansby's a guy that's going to go out there and, and play every day at least that's the plan anyway you know he likes to be out there he doesn't miss very many games and going back to 2019. That really was when he offensively seemed to start putting it together. He had a, a nice, and it's a sixty-game season because of the pandemic-shortened year. But it seemed like he took another step then. And then in twenty twenty-one, the power department really you know ticked up. And then twenty twenty-two, he started to put a lot of different things together. But there were still some peaks and valleys. But the defense and and the other things that he was doing, he just looked like the most complete version of himself that he had been at any point in time. But if you go back to twenty nineteen and and go one per one sixty-two. Over the last four years, I mean, this is a guy that has the ability to be a three and a half to four and a half win player anyway, regardless of whether or not he can top that that wins above replacement that it was a career high in 2022. If you're a three and a half four win player with a chance to be a little bit more than that, I think it'll make this contract worth it when you start to put in all of the other tangible intangibles that the Cubs are very well aware that Dansby Swanson's bringing there. So they felt comfortable to you know to invest this kind of money in Dansby. They're going to have to invest some money in some other key players, I think, to come in and supplement some of the in house talent that they do have in Chicago. I don't think they're a terrible team. I just think they're an incomplete team right now and one that is very much in transition. And the last time that they were in transition, they went out and they spent a ton of money on John Lester. And a lot of people looked at the Cubs and thought, oh, why are they signing John Lester? He should go sign with a winner if he wants to you know, really get the most out of his career. Well, it as it turned out, John Lester did sign with a winner. It just took a minute for everything to come together and he was a big part of that. So who's to say that the Cubs aren't a year or two, maybe within the next three, into getting back to being a, a really relevant or powerhouse club in the National League Central. That could very much happen. And they most certainly have the money to do it if they're willing to start spending again.
0: And it's not like they're playing in the the NL East. It's not exactly no. Yeah, that hard to come back and win the division there in the the NL Central, no offense to the other teams in there. But we talked a lot about what the Braves are losing with Dansby Swanson, what the Cubs are gaining. Now the Braves are going to have to figure out how they're going to replace that. I don't know that you necessarily can replace that, what Dansby brought, those tangibles and intangibles, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But I do want to discuss that a little bit here more next. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but you live nearby. You can make it home okay. You think it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You lose your car. Or perhaps you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Well, Grant, we spent a good bit of time there talking about Dansby Swanson, what he meant to the Braves, the positive attributes that he brought to the team. Now the Braves have to turn the page, and they have to figure out what they're going to do with the shortstop position going forward long term. Is it going to be Von Grissom? Do they look to trade someone else? Is it somebody else in the system that we haven't seen yet? These are all questions that the Braves Got to answer, and I think got to answer pretty soon. I want to get your take on it. Where do you think the Braves go in 2023 at shortstop?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see if they're going to get into the stopgap free agent options that are out there. We've heard a lot of talk about Elvis Andrews. I think we've seen a handful of you know not as exciting you know one year options perhaps to bridge the gap. I think I've seen people you know clamor for a reunion with Andrelton Simmons. I, I don't know if clamor is the right word, but maybe bring it up as a possibility. Um, as he was very popular in Atlanta, but the last couple of years, his career has kind of taken yeah. a, taken a dive. So it would clearly be a, a step back, uh, from what you got from Dansby Swanson in 2022. And I don't think that's even an arguable point, no matter who you were to go out and sign uh, are trades possible. Yeah. If I learned anything, trades are possible, including at positions that you didn't even think were a, a spot of need because the Braves have Sean Murphy as uh, their new catcher for the foreseeable future as well. So they could go out and do that. I think they still have some prospect capital. I was surprised with the amount of it that went in the Murphy trade, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later, but I do think they could still make a deal. We saw Von Grissom come up and, and give you that three to four week lift that they really needed at that time when Orlando Arcia got hurt. Fortunately, Arcia wasn't out for the rest of the year, so he came back in and both those guys were able to hold down second base in the absence of Ozzy Albies. So, You get Ozzy back and healthy, hopefully with a bounce back season. Same for Ronald Acuna Jr., by the way. You know, you could do worse than having Arcia and Grissom to choose from in spring training. But I I just don't feel like the Braves are right there, just ready to hand the keys over to either one of them without spending at least the next few weeks trying to decide if there are other options out there that could make them better. I think that Vaughn Grissom is a, a player to be excited about in the future. I also think he is a guy that could benefit from a little bit more time to develop. He was one of the youngest players in the big leagues last year. There's a lot to like about his game, I think offensively in particular, with the style and the quality of the bats that he puts up. But I feel like defensively speaking, there were already questions about, hey, is this kid athletic enough to play shortstop at the big league level, or will he be playing somewhere else? Hence, he's out there at the Ron Washington School for infielders, taking some extra credit classes over the course Mm -hmm. of the winter hopefully that helps out. It's 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 only a net positive to see him working hard. I never doubted that for a minute, but it's a big job and it's a big spot for the Braves. And I do still feel like there are a couple of moves to make before we call it a winner and, you know, just start counting down the days to pitchers and catchers in February.
0: It is, it's going to be, like you said, use the same word fascinating because how much can you really evaluate a player, you know, as great as Ron Washington is, how can you evaluate him that much in an offseason to say, okay, we're ready to hand over the shortstop job to him? To me, that's just uh, that—that's not fair to Vaughn Grissom in a lot of ways, and I don't know that it's fair necessarily to a team that's trying to win a championship. And I'm not saying he can't do it long term. I think right now they have to evaluate: can he be the long term shortstop? And if so, I would I would start him, like you said, maybe in AAA to start the year, let him continue to develop and then, you know, bring him up. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's two months, but I just feel like he needs that that game action to take the things he's learned from Ron Washington and start to apply them and to grow and become better defensively. I don't worry about the bat necessarily with Vaughn Grissom. I know he struggled there towards the end of the year, but I just think it, the Braves quickly kind of have to decide, is he the future at the position? If not, we need to go find out who is because right now, He's really the only internal option out there, and if he's not it, then I think you got to start looking externally, whether you look at maybe some young shortstop prospects who are are blocked or um, some young shortstops who are under contract for for several years. And uh, again, I've been looking, as I'm sure you and others have, I don't know how many are exactly out there that fit that bill, but... I just think that's a it's too important of a position for the Braves to not know what it's going to look like there long term. I think you could you can go stopgap this year if you need to, but I just don't think that's necessarily a recipe for success, you know, year after year.
1: No, it's not year after year. I think the Braves have done that about as well as anybody at the catching position, but then over the last handful of years, they seem to have found a good thing and started to keep that good thing rolling with extending Travis Darnot, for example and now going out and getting Sean Murphy. But you go back and look at the production they've got out of that position. They've done extremely well. Now, could they go out there and do the same thing at shortstop? I think that might be a little bit more challenging, a little bit harder, because, you know, good shortstops, you know, teams tend to like to hold on to those guys. And when they hit the free agent market, as we just learned, teams tend to not mind paying an awful lot of money to have them around for a long time, as the case may be. So I kind of wonder with this market, you know, does this, it, teams that missed out on the big four shortstops maybe couldn't afford a 300 million dollar shortstop for that matter would they be looking at some of the stopgap guys like in elvis andrews for example and say okay well he could get some one-year offers in a bunch of different places but now all of a sudden is there a club out there that would give him two or three years it gives me i don't think the braves necessarily want to do that i don't know they they might that could be a thing and then you give von grissom a little bit more time and Maybe you use Vaughn Grissom as, uh, you know, trade capital or, or whatnot. They can never rule that out. It's certainly possible. But I also look at, you know, are you comfortable enough with Orlando Arcia, who has played shortstop at the big league level, to give him a limited amount of time to do it and also have Vaughn Grissom continue to develop at the, at the minor league level? I, I think that's a, just a scenario that's all part of the discussion. I think Brian Snicker at the winter meetings had some interesting comments about it because he was asked about Vaughn in particular, and he said, look, candidly, I'm going to have to see it and see what it looks like in spring training to be able to determine if he's ready for that job. But I can't sit here today and say, yep, the job's his or the job's not his. I got to see it. And I think that's kind of where the Braves are. And while they can be optimistic about it, while they can believe in the player, you still have to see him go out there and do it to give you the faith that he's going to be able to handle it uh, on on a long-term basis, an everyday basis at a position that you know, is a pretty demanding one and one that's, uh, you know, is a pretty important one for the Atlanta Braves. And this is going to be one of those situations that you just, I don't know. It, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing, I mean, I could talk myself into a circle here, but it, there's so much wait and see here that that's basically, I feel like where the Braves are with their internal options is wait and see, but there are still a few pieces out there that they could perhaps go out and look at and determine This guy could help us short term, and then give Vaughn Grissom a little bit more time to grow into
0: the position, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I just think it's dangerous if you're playing the wait and see game, and you get to spring training, and he's not the answer, and you haven't made any moves. Then what do you do? You know, then your options are even more limited. So that's why I say it's going to be very interesting to see what the Braves decide to do there, and. If they do out find another option, you mentioned Von, Von Grissom as trade capital. The Braves don't have much left, and you touched on this earlier, because of the big Sean Murphy trade that we haven't discussed either. I want to get your thoughts on that because they traded your guy, Wild Bill, in that move. I know that had to hurt. Yeah, they
1: did, and that was really surprising. I felt like the Brewers just kind of wandered into the perfect spot to you know have very little skin in that game and walk away with one of the better players in that trade. Now, I think the Braves got the best player in that trade, I think Oakland got some decent prospect capital in return for Sean Murphy, but it just continues the pattern. And we've seen it twice that the Braves have gone out to Oakland and went shopping for something they need, but it just continues Oakland trading these guys off as soon as they get into their arbitration years. And I think the Braves looked at the opportunity with the new rules that are coming in with the fact that there may be more base running as part of the overall game with the newer, bigger bases, the less shifts, the limited pickoffs and all the other things to, have a great defensive minded catcher and somebody that can throw because the Braves catchers have not necessarily been the best at, you know, stopping base runners. And uh, Sean Murphy just brings that as one of the many skills. And he's, I think a top three, if not top five catcher in all of baseball, when you have a chance to go add one of those, I can understand why you'd want to go do it. I was surprised that Contreras was part of the deal. Uh, Not shocked that they used some of their pitching capital with, with Kyle Muller and with Freddie Tarnock to, go out and get a player that they identified as somebody they wanted to add. But yeah, six players out, Sean Murphy in for the next three years, at least, and West Alexanthopoulos extends him too. It's a nice add for the club. It's just one that was in an area where I just did not expect it because the Braves came into the off season with Travis Darno, William Contreras, who had a great 2022 combined together, Manny Pena, hopefully on the mend. Maybe he was going to get traded all along. That's certainly possible. He finds his way out to Oakland now as part of that deal as well. Just not what I expected in in terms of just areas of need for the Braves. I didn't have Catcher anywhere on my list.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Manny Pena in that deal because it pretty much the Braves saved money in that trade, which I think is significant for what I'll kind of want to end on here and what do the Braves do the rest of the offseason after Jordan Luplow moved. They're about. 3 million away from hitting that first luxury tax their luxury tax payroll at around 229 million, depending on what sites you look at. Obviously that's a projection at this point, but either way, they're very close to going over that first tax. Pretty much any move of significance would take them into that. I, I don't know, Grant, I'm kind of starting to get a little bit skeptical that they will go into that, that tax this year. And if they don't, that means there's probably not anything else significant coming, but would love to know your thoughts. Do you think there's another big move coming? I believe there's two roster spots still open. You think the Braves go after left field or, or shortstop to get a big upgrade this offseason?
1: I mean, I would love to see it. And like anybody, I would love to see them find a way to divest themselves of the $37 million that they owe Marcelo Zuna over the next couple of years. That appears to me, as much as anything, to be a bit of a stumbling block to have some flexibility to do something to make your club demonstratively better. They have said all along that the key quote from Alex Anthopoulos that I've thought about and and come back to is that we're not afraid to go over that luxury threshold or we're not going to stay away from it if we feel like it's the right player and the deal is right. I don't think that Dansby Swanson at the deal that he got from the Chicago Cubs would be what the Braves would qualify as the deal that they wanted to make to go over the luxury tax threshold. Will it happen before spring training over the course of this winter? It may not. I, I honestly, and you look at this team. It doesn't have a lot of holes, but it could use upgrading and fortifying at shortstop in particular, and at left field, and perhaps even at DH. Though there is starting to get a log jam of bodies that could use at bats if you're going to have them on your roster in some way, shape, or form. But when you get into the course of the season, as you mentioned earlier, Alex Anthopoulos is not afraid to go out find deals and make his club better and and take on some payroll when he needs to at that point, and so that's when you might see them go over because as much as we talk about the top five payroll, and I think that's something that should have Braves fans justifiably excited, it's hard to be patient when you hear that kind of thing, and then you go out and see a winner like this where the Braves haven't really spent a lot of money over the offseason signing big free agents like the Mets have been doing and, and other teams have been doing. You see a lot of players signing big deals to go elsewhere, in particular to teams that are your rivals. But the Braves were a team I felt like that was, again, very well-constructed and just had a couple of particular questions that we needed to know the answer to. We have the answer to Dansby Swanson. It may not be the answer a lot of people wanted, but I I still think that the Braves have the opportunity to make some moves over the offseason, particularly if they get creative in trade, and to look into the season and make the club better the way that they have at the trade deadline the past few years. But it obviously makes people uh, probably a little bit more squeamish to walk into spring training and think, okay, well, the Mets have absolutely reloaded. We've got a pretty good team, but we didn't do what they did. So are we going to be able to keep up? And can you afford to fall 10 and a half games back again in the first couple of months of the season and stare up in the standings and make that kind of crazy comeback? I mean, the uh, the logic would tell you probably can't expect that to happen
0: every single year. Yeah, no, you can. And last time we spoke, I think I'd headlined it Dansby or or bust. And i am just, I've kind of, I'm kind of getting that feeling that that's what they went into this offseason saying, as you said, they would go over the luxury tax if it's the right fit. And I just don't know who else out there. And again, unless it's through a trade for somebody we just haven't thought of, because even if you sign Elvis Andrews, you're going over the luxury tax. Is that is that the guy you're going to spend on to go into the luxury tax? And I get it. The first tax isn't much, but that penalty gets more significant the more years you're in it consecutively. It's why you see the Dodgers right now trying to reset their tax and get under it. So I think you have to keep that in consideration as well when you're looking at what else the Braves could do. Are they going to find a player that's better than what they have in either Arcia or Grissom? I don't think it would take much to find better than what they have in what Rosario showed last year in Ozuna, although I think both, and especially Rosario, could have better seasons. So that, to me, is just something in my mind, Grant, is that what out there that we know of is really going to make a significant difference? And is mm. it worth going over the tax, you know, starting your tax penalties this year for that?
1: Yeah, I I do look at it this way. I mean, you may have that purchase that puts you over the top of it. But then at that point, you would probably end up making other moves anyway. So it'd be more of the some of the parts than the one singular deal that you'd make, I guess, if you, if you get to this right. level. Because, I mean, the Jake Rizzi money is in in this mix somewhere. Obviously, the Ozuna money is in there. Then, of course, your normal payroll uh, with all of the other guys that you're actually excited about paying to a, a higher degree probably than the ones who have either struggled or are not playing for you at the moment but it's it, it, as you mentioned there's some gamesmanship that goes with trying to reset at your payroll and stay out of the the bigger penalties and the things as it compounds as it goes on so those will just be things that the braves will have to figure out and i think that they can figure out as they go along lots of other clubs have done it and they'll figure out ways to to do that and I think that's you know with the club that they have it kind of affords them some luxuries that a lot of other clubs don't have because you look at the core that the Braves have locked up but then in the second part of that and I know that this kind of goes with what a lot of fans are wondering aloud, is okay well we've heard about all the financial gains from being able to have the cost certainty of signing these extensions and we're excited about the young core we got here but when is the big signing or when is the big acquisition or the other thing that the second part of that, when does the other shoe drop? And that is a question that I think we're all still kind of wondering and asking again aloud and for good reason.
0: Yeah. And look, I think a lot of Braves fans would agree with this. I'm excited that we're even talking about the possibility sure. of the Braves going into the luxury tax. I would have never even thought this a possibility, you know, two, three years ago that this would be a team that's pushing the luxury tax. And I think we'll go over it, whether it's this year or mm-hmm. in the years to come. I believe they will. So I think in that regard of the Braves fan, I think you have to be excited with where they are and that young core is locked up for so long to come. And they're going to be a good team. And I think that's one thing we talked about going into the offseason. If they did nothing, they were still going to be a competitive team in 2023 Mm -hmm. just because of the roster that they already have. So, uh, Grant, I want to thank you so much for joining me as always. Make sure you follow him at Grant McCauley on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast uh, From the Diamond. I listened to that uh, preparing for this as well. The things that you and Corey were talking about over there, so make sure you go give that a listen. And obviously, Grant doing a lot of good work covering the Atlanta Braves but that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at lockedon_braves. underscore Braves. Follow me at ShortstopBall. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. and we will talk to you next time.